Turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 11. My text this morning is verses 14 through 25. to the reading of the Word of God. And the Word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, your brothers, even your brothers, your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, all of them are those of whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Go far from the Lord to, uh, to us, this land is given for a possession. Therefore say, thus says the Lord, though I remove them far off among the nations, and though I scattered them among the countries, yet I have been a sanctuary to them for a while in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And when they come there, they will remove from it all its detestable things and all its abominations. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those whose heart goes after detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord God. Then the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels beside them, and the glory of the God of Israel was over them. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain that is on the east side of the city. And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me in the vision by the Spirit of God into Chaldea, to the exiles. Then the vision that I had seen went up from me. And I told the exiles, all the things the Lord had shown me. Heavenly Father, bless to our understanding this reading and our hearing and our understanding of the exposition of your infallible, inerrant word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I see a number of visitors here. It's good to greet you all. Um, you, some of you are probably wondering what planet have I arrived on uh, reading from the book of Ezekiel. Well, we are in the midst of a series of messages from the book of Ezekiel, and, um, and we continue this uh, tonight at 5 p.m. Uh, if you want to uh, come back or if you're far away, you can tune in and hear the message tonight on, on the live stream. Uh, but uh, it is a uh, it is a daunting book, but it's uh, full full of application for our present situation. Briefly, uh, to sum up the message, it's God's judgment upon 
the people of Judah and Jerusalem who have rebelled against God through idolatry that has brought them into captivity. Ezekiel is already in uh, Babylon. He is already uh, in the vanguard of the first ones who were carried into captivity and yet through the means of the Holy Spirit he is transported back and forth to Jerusalem to speak prophetically to those who rebelliously refuse to submit to the Lord's discipline which said that they will go into captivity and they will be carried into judgment and the judgment has already begun and that judgment comes in a trilogy of, of judgments that Ezekiel repeats over and over again. And you see it here, I think it's in uh, verse 16. Uh, there will be, it's in, well, it's in one of these first uh, verses, that there will be the sword, there will be famine, there will be plague, there will be one judgment after another because of their rebellious idolatry. What we've learned to this point is there is a point that you can go in rebellion against God that is the point of no return where God's judgment will fall. There is also a point in a believer's life. I, 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 the scripture is clear. There are many instances of God dealing with his people in precisely this way. Uh, in fact, the warning passage of uh, the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11 is the most famous example of this. We are to examine ourselves carefully to see if there is any sin or rebellion in our life. And the Apostle Paul tells us there, the failure to do so can result in temporal consequences in the believer's life. He says, for this reason, many of you are weak, many of you are sick, and some have fallen asleep, which is the Bible's way of saying, have died because of rebellion. Our God is, our God is the same God who spoke to Ezekiel. Our Lord is the same Lord Jesus Christ who became incarnate. Prior to that, he, he spoke uh, and, and was enthroned in the temple. In heaven, from all eternity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit purposed to create a people for himself. And when they had gone astray, purposed to glorify himself by calling and keeping his people. And the Bible is the account over thousands of years of God mercifully calling his people again and again and again to repentance and faith. That's why the, the application of the Bible is timeless. It is, it is always relevant. Uh, many have said throughout the series of sermons how, how incredibly relevant uh, the book of Ezekiel is to our present time. Well, I, 
people always say that, whatever we're preaching at any given time, because that's the Bible. The Word of God is, is God speaking to us, and His appointed means for that to happen is for the regular reading and the regular exposition of His Word in gathered worship. In this passage, God has pronounced judgment. There, the temple is, is still standing. But last week we saw how the glory of God rose and departed from the temple to the east over the Mount of Olives. We noted how similar that was to the account of the Lord Jesus when he entered the temple and then he left it and then he promised that his temple, uh, when it was destroyed in three days, it would be raised up on the third day. And they wondered, what in the world are you talking about? And the truth is, uh, his resurrection is a sign of a whole new era. But nonetheless, it's important for us to take the Bible and read it in its context and build a bridge to our present context so we can understand who God is and what he wants for us. And the first point I wanna make is in verses 14 through 16, is that God sustains his people in exile. See, there was a, if you've read the book of Jeremiah, you, you'll, you'll see a different perspective about the whole, whole time. Jeremiah wanted uh, and urged the people to go into exile, and the people wouldn't do it. And they find that the book of Jeremiah is largely this conflict between uh, Jeremiah and, and those who wanted to stay and fight or to make an alliance with Egypt. And if you've read that book, you know that all the trouble that he went through and uh, he's a contemporary, and sometimes we have uh, uh, an overlap. But over in Jeremiah chapter 7, Jeremiah the prophet is castigating uh, those who would remain. And he was, he's telling them, don't trust in the temple. And he says, woe to you who say this mantra. Uh, this is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. And, and say it like some kind of uh, lucky rabbit's foot. That, that this would some this temple would somehow protect them. Religious superstition is what it was. And religious superstition exists today. Everywhere. I was. Uh, I've said before. I've been. A, I've been an army chaplain. Uh, was an army chaplain in the in the guard and reserves for nine years. And whenever there was a deployment or something serious, everybody would. I, I, and I love the Gideon ministry for this. And I don't want to offend any Gideon, but but those little testaments are. are they they. They sit around in stacks in the chaplain's office until something scary happens, and then everybody knows <laughs> But you know what they often want them for is to put them in their pocket right here. Because they read somewhere that someone had one and stopped a bullet. 
I got news for you. Unless it's armored, it's not going to stop. <laughs> it. But a story, there's a story out there that they one did one time, and so people want it. Well, that testament can protect you if you read it and you put it inside your heart. And that's the message of, of the prophets. And that's the message today. Whether it's um, when we gather for worship, we're not gathering to get some something out of it. They, you know, I hear that often. I didn't, I didn't get anything out of it. You're, you don't come to worship to get something out of it. Mm -hmm. You come to worship to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your only reasonable response to who God is. You don't come to get something out of it. You come to give glory to God. God promises the exiles that he, even though they're going to be removed from the temple, and some already are, including Ezekiel, he's removed from the temple, that he, he promises in these verses that he will be a little sanctuary for them. I, I have the ESV version, um, and it says in verse 16, I, I've been a sanctuary to them, that's what I read, a sanctuary to them for a while. Uh, it's, this is one of those rare places I take issue with this translation. If you have a King James Bible, you have a much better translation here. It says, I will be a little sanctuary. That's literally what the word said. I will be a little sanctuary for them. God will scatter his people into all kinds of places. This is what he's preparing. This is how he is preparing to spread the gospel through the world. He's going to scatter the Jewish people throughout the world. And everywhere they are and where they, wherever they gather, they're going to be a little sanctuary. Uh, I, uh, we're having a wonderful Sunday school class right now, adult Sunday school class on family worship. Have you ever struggled in family worship like we did for so many years? You appreciate Matt Lee's class, one of our ruling elders class, so much. But it strikes me that's exactly what, what he's talking about. Wherever God's people gather, even if it's a small gathering, two or three, the Lord is in their midst, in the families, in family worship as well as corporate worship. And the same is true in the church. Wherever God's people gather uh, uh, to worship him according to to the means that he has ordained, he is in their midst. Because God is the sanctuary. There's so many references to this, but probably the most famous, or one of the most famous, is Ephesians chapter 2. You know, we usually stop reading Ephesians chapter 2 at verse 8 and 9. Some people who are bold go on to verse 10, which is wonderful. But if you go on down to the end of the chapter, you have this. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. 
So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God by the Spirit. Nothing should keep you from gathering with the people of God as you are able in the Spirit. Sometimes it takes a ruinous judgment or a ruinous persecution or deep trauma in our life to get us to the point of understanding that the only thing that matters in this life is the true worship of God in his sanctuary among his people. Second point, it is God who spiritually renews his people. In verse 17, God promises that he will one day restore Israel to the land. And he does so about 38 years from the time this word was given to Ezekiel. And that's what the books in the Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah, are all about. They, those who've been scattered all up and down uh, the... Middle East, away from the land of Israel, will one day be gathered and brought back. There are promises to Israel for the land. And those promises are irrevocable. Well, you say, what about the destruction of the temple in AD 70? I'm of the mind of going through Ezekiel as far as I've gotten is that there, this, this, this judgment on the temple is something that is, is fast forwarded. But I have news for you, it still hasn't done anything about the promises to the land. Those promises to God's people about the land are, are still there. It's one of the reasons that we're having, uh, we support the ministry of Christian Witness to Israel, a very long and uh, important ministry of preaching the gospel to Jewish people based on, on the scripture. Um, and it's amazing if you read the writings of the uh, great reformed uh, preachers of the past before 1948 and the restoration of Israel to the land, you'll see a common thread among these really great preachers of men like William Perkins and J.C. Ryle and Charles Haddon Spurgeon and uh, to name a few, who saw this and, and said boldly that one day the, the people of Israel will be restored to the land. And see uh, men since then who've noted and, and, uh, and spoken clearly about its fulfillment, like Martin Lloyd-Jones, Again, mark your calendars. The first weekend and second weekend in September, uh, there's flyers available. David Zadok, wonderful name. He's the same priestly line name. I don't know, I don't know if they're related. It's hard to know. 
but uh, of, uh, of the line of Ezekiel. So it's interesting. That's the priestly line that Ezekiel came from. David is a wonderful reformed pastor uh, doing the ministry. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to go off on a little rabbit trail here just, just to make an average, not a, merely an average, but a plea for you to understand this great uh, promise to the people of God um, that God has preserved and brought them back into the land. And I believe very clearly it's for the purpose of the gospel. And Romans 9, 10, and 11 make that plain. It's not merely the geography of the land of Israel. It's more importantly representative of the geography of heaven. The people of God and the land are merely a type of the perfection in heaven. As people of the book who believe the book of God, we cannot turn our attention away from and not love and care for the souls of Jewish people and their land. And but also at the same time recognizing how we are to read the Bible. The Apostle Paul tells us that in the in chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians, right before that warning, chapter 11. It's on his mind. He says, so, this is how you read the Old Testament. That you, that you read it and understand that you don't want to be like the Jewish people who, who rebelled against God, who failed to listen, who hardened their heart in rebellions. And with most of them, God was not well pleased. Don't be that person. And that's why we go through these books, these difficult books. We cannot help but take note from history, the history of the Bible and the history of the world, how the Jewish people have suffered miserably because of their refusal to come to faith in the Messiah. In fact, it's in our confession of faith. Our, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever bothered to read our larger catechism. Uh, our officers are required to read it. Uh, but question, larger catechism question 191 makes it clear that part of our true worship is to pray for the conversion of the Jewish people. Because it is part of what the scripture commands us to do. It's how we got the scriptures. The Messiah has been fully revealed. He came to the land. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And as a result, a fearsome, this fearsome judgment that Ezekiel speaks about fell. And yet God is merciful, and he is able to continually engraft them back in. So how does he do that? He does it by the performance of spiritual heart surgery. What was the presenting sin of Israel that led them into captivity? We've, we've looked at the, the Baal God, God uh, set up at one end of the temple. We've looked at the, the moon God is set up at the other end and how God was, was displeased with these false idols. 
And we've also had the application made uh, from uh, that. The inference is that we, we have idols as well. And they often come in the form of material things and people, just as they did in the Old Testament. Our, uh, one of our great uh, reformers, John Calvin, wrote in book one of, of uh, his institutes, the very first uh, chapter of his institute, he said the heart is a perpetual factory of idols. It is, it is producing idols constantly. God will have no rival. God will have no rival in the hearts of his people for his affection. But Ezekiel tells us it's not just the pain and misery of judgment that brings this about. All the suffering in the world, we, we, the, heart, the condition of the heart is that it's rebellious, that it's in rebellion against God. And we have rebellious hearts. And God, for his people, has promised to do something about it. First is the removal of the idols. That's the first sign. All these detestable things that we've gone into. That's a, that's a euphemism that Ezekiel uses for idols. Um, bears repeating the, the little balls of uh, sheep dung. That's what he calls their <laughs> idols. That's what he, that's what God, that's what this detestable thing translates as. It's a word that is unique to Ezekiel. It's, 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 it's rough language. In the Bible, English translations, we try to make it nice. Detestable things and abominations. How do you get rid of idols? It's a, it's, it is idolatry and the condition of the heart is so so bad that a heart cap is not going to fix it. You know, you go to the doctor, you got a heart problem, they do the, they'll try to do the least invasive thing they can. And uh, if it's really bad, they'll do like double, triple, quadruple bypass on you. Some of you've had that, you know what it is. Or, or, or if it's not too bad, they'll give you a pacemaker and that'll, that'll, make you, that'll enable you to crank along. But if it's really bad, they'll, they'll give you a heart transplant. They can do that now. It's amazing. It's a wonder of modern medicine that that can take place. What God is saying in his word is your spiritual heart. The, the heart, the heart, when the, the, it's not talking about the physical organ of the heart. It's talking about the, the center of your being and personality, who you are. There's not some little external treatment that they can do to fix it, even for, that God can do. It has to be removed and replaced. God has to do a work of changing it. The sign that a heart is, is prepared is putting away false worship 
desiring God. And, and then he performs the, the surgery and replaces that heart. And that center of being and personality that controls who we are is, is removed. That's what Jesus taught us. Mark 7, 21, it's from your heart. It's from your heart that come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, slander, pride, foolishness. All these come from within and defile the person. And there's no half measure that can cure it. The only thing that can cure it is a new heart. And God promises. When he, when he produces the desire to repent, he promises a new heart. The message here is stark, it's hard. Those who pursue idolatry will be judged. Only those who repent and seek God are given a new heart, a new desire. To, to walk in newness of life. And those statutes of God are, are written on this new heart. The, the believer, the true believer in Christ has a new heart that wants to do what is right. Problem is, even that new heart is, uh, is constantly in need of renewal. This is student week, you know, and some of you are here to bring students and, um, to university. I, I, and this is one of the main reasons, the founding, one of the founding purposes of Covenant Church is to be here for those who sent their students to uh, the university. And uh, we, we love students and, and uh, we love uh, professors and that's been a part of our ministry, graduate students of all kinds. And, and we've been so blessed over the years. But the, but the truth, of college for so many young people who are especially undergraduates is they're coming to rebel they're coming to escape uh, the rules and the regulations of the home and if, the, if we would be honest with ourselves that's all of us there are times we, we want to take a vacation from the Lord we want to take a vacation and this COVID thing has given everybody that great opportunity. Do you realize that 25% or 30% of the people who once attended church regularly and since the end of COVID have not come back? It's, it's, it's striking. Our hearts are prone to wander, even our renewed heart. It's still in the body of flesh. That wants to go astray. Nothing less than a special relationship with God can change that heart. The prophet is very clear. Those whose heart goes after detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds on their heads. You will not escape judgment. 
the, the, the glory finally departs in full. It's been hovering over the east, eastern gate, and now it leaves fully. And so Ezekiel is transported back, and he tells the exiles all the things the Lord has shown him. The most important thing for the exiles is that God is with them wherever they are, whether wherever they are gathered in worship to worship Him in spirit and truth. And the sign of a new heart is new obedience and a desire to bring every thought and attitude and action into submission to what God wants. Is that your desire this morning? Is, is that why God has gathered you here to hear that message? I urge you then to present yourself in worship as a living sacrifice, which is your only reasonable response to his grace and his mercy. Father, we thank you for these hard words from the prophet Ezekiel that are words not only to ancient Israel, but to us. And we do pray for new hearts to anyone here who's yet to, to realize their heart is desperately wicked and, and sick beyond repair unless you do this heart replacement through the whole work of the Holy Spirit. And Father, having done that in many of us, we, we confess that our hearts um, in, our, in our sinful flesh are prone to wander. We, we are so prone to leave the God we love and, and go after these false idols. Father, as much as it depends on us and we're able to help us to search our heart, that we might not eat and drink judgment upon ourselves as a result of not dealing with these detestable things in our life. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.